Overflow podcast. We pray that you are encouraged with this message. For more information, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Um, today we're talking about uh, faith and faithfulness. Um, one of the main things that we had both gone through in the past you know, several years um, has just been kind of sticking with um, sticking with faithfulness, even though things may not be going the way we want them to go. I know for me, I had a really um, rough season when I was at CFNI. I just I had to, I mean, and I'll explain a little more, a little bit more about it later. But that's just kind of one of the main key things. Whenever me and her were thinking about what we wanted to talk about, we were just like, well, what is it that we can invest into into everybody here? What is it that we, what story do we have to tell? And um, and it was really just about faithfulness and like we both have different aspects of faithfulness that we see in the father that we want to talk about um you know mine's going to be on you know one aspect and hers is going to be another aspect but it still comes together under the under the the topic of faithfulness so let's just get started yeah lord we love you we thank you so much for this opportunity to just um listen from you and to just speak about your your faithfulness father and to just give testimony about what you've done in our lives um, I look forward to hearing the countless testimonies as we're already hearing them coming through, Father, from everybody in here, Father. Uh, we love you, and I just pray that um, you'd be glorified through what we have to say, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we're going to be reading out of Daniel. So if you guys want to turn to Daniel 1. Um, basically, I forgot to open up this part. There we go. So there's this, there's this quote by Bill Johnson, and he speaks about it pretty often. Um, anytime like, I hear a sermon by him, you know, two out of five times he'll talk about this, um, this illustration, and that is um, runners. So he talks about runners, Olympic runners specifically. And he talks about how they train and train for years and years at a time, six to eight hours a day, their whole lives, or for, for just years at a time, right? And they're going at it day in, day out, six to eight hours a day of practice, of just hardcore practice for a 10-second race. They're doing this for years and years at a time. Can you guys imagine that? For six to eight hours at a, at a time, they're just going for a 10-second race. Like, that kind of discipline and that kind of determination is just astounding. That's crazy to me. Every time he talks about it, I'm just like, whoa. Like, you can just imagine. You can see them. Like, you can almost see them running that 100-meter, you know, and they're, they're just sweating, you know. They're sweating bullets, and they're running, and they're, like, super ripped everything. You're just like, oh, my God. Like, I don't – I want to look like that, you know. And – um <laughs> But, like, you can see them. You can picture them doing this. And it's all for a 10-second race. And it's that kind of discipline and training that, like, we need to long for when it comes down to our walk with the Lord. We've got a lifetime of pursuing one thing. We've got one moment coming in all of our lives, and it's going to be three or four seconds long. And it's going to be when the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our whole lives, dude. Some of us are going to live to be 80. Some of us are going to live to be 100. And we're going, I mean, hopefully we'll live 100. I hope so. But anyways, we're going to like, some of us are going to be able to get, get that opportunity to do that our whole lives, year after year after year after year after year. We're going to see people go. We're going to see people come. You know, Ashley and Bryce are having a baby soon. We're going to see him come into our, you know, our lives. You know, we're going to see, you know, people go. And it's, and it's crazy. But, you know, all of that, all these years. And we need to live our, that, all these years for that one moment, those, that, that three to four seconds where we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And it's that kind of, the same kind of de- de- determination that those runners have is the same kind of de- determination that we need to have, even when it's tough. I mean, dude, that training isn't easy. That's Olympic running, you know? Like, that's the same kind of, that's the same kind of mindset we need to have with our walk. And um, 
at that moment, nothing else will matter. Literally, nothing else will matter at that moment when he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, You have to live for the moments in which nothing else will matter. Otherwise, you'll live for another purpose. If I start to live my life for anything other than that moment when he says, well done, what is he telling me well done for? He's telling me because I've done, I've, I've done a good job. You know, I've, I've gone through the journey. So many of us want the end product, but we don't want to go through the journey. And that, that's, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. He's not going to tell us good job, good and faithful servant, if we weren't faithful with anything, if we didn't do a good job at anything. You know, and uh, it's, it's going to take forever. It's going to take you know, discipline to not just to you know, do our jobs and stuff like that, but to actually run our spiritual life. That's the one thing that matters. Um, and the, so what I'm going to talk about in Daniel is Shad, um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, I'm just going to read through it real quick. Uh, Daniel 1, verse 1, says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. So let me explain that. Jehoiakim, in Latin, his name is also Joaquin, so we're going to make it easier. I know a, little, like a few guys named Joaquin, you know. I'm from El Paso, so Joaquin. Uh, <laughs> but in Latin, his name is Joaquin, so we're just going to call him Joaquin. Um, but it says, in the third year of the reign of, Jeho- of Joaquin, king of Judah, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, which I'm sure you all have heard of him, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So here's this king from Babylon. He comes in, and he, you know, he besieges uh, Judah. Well, Jehoiakim was thought of as a godless tyrant who committed atrocious sins and crimes, such as incest, murder, adultery, all according to rabbinical literature. So according to rabbinical literature, this guy was not a very great king. You know, Yes, he was the king of Judah, so he was God's appointed one, but he wasn't a very um, moral king. You know what I mean? And so Nebuchadnezzar comes and takes over in the midst of an already trying time, and, you know, and then here comes Nebuchadnezzar, and he comes and takes over. And... It's like the same thing in our lives a lot of times um, when things are going, things are going, you know, just kind of, things are fine. You know, Jehoiakim, though he was an immoral king, he, you know, things were still going decent. You know, things could have been better, but things are still going decent. And then here comes Nebuchadnezzar, and he just kind of throws a a wrench in the the gears. And what he does is he asks for all the, you know, for, for what he does, let's see, where where are we at? Basically, he gets his, uh, the the person in charge of his eunuchs, and he tells him, go pick out some of the, you know, the most handsome guys. Um, he's, you know, here comes four guys who were thought of to be without blemish, extremely wise, knowledgeable, and full of understanding. These guys were like the best of the best. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure you all have heard that story. But um, in the midst of all that, you know, here comes this guy, and he, and he, he takes these dudes away from what they're, what they're doing. I'm sure that they had, like, roles in their life. They had things that they were already doing, that they, are, they were already accomplishing. And then here comes this guy, and he's like, no, you're going to come serve me. You're going to come leave your God. You're going to come serve my God. You're going to come serve me. You know what I mean? It was, he, was a, he was a pagan, he was a pagan, pagan king. Um, but we're just going to keep reading. And he goes, um, so he came and besieged it. And it says, and the Lord gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand um, with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of the Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of God. Basically, Nebuchadnezzar came and took the stuff that was in their temple and brought it to his temple, um, which is horrible. And he says, uh, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, like I was telling you guys earlier, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. So he gets the best of the best. He's like, hey, you go pick out the best of the best from Judah. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand. Basically, they weren't stupid. 
They were awesome. They were very wise and knowledgeable. They were handsome, like Josh Branham, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Anyways, they were just very smart. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. That sounds pretty good to me. The king's food, like that's legit. And of the wine which he drank. Drank. And the three years of training... (laughs) And the three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. So, here are these guys. Again, they're going through their own lives. Nebuchadnezzar comes and takes them, and he throws a wrench in the whole, in the whole system there. And on top of that, he's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some of my food. This is what you're going to eat. This is what you're going to drink. He tells his eunuch to change their names, so they don't even get to keep their names. Here he tells them, because their, their names were, uh, so it says, to, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Balthasar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So we know them by their, we know them by their uh, Babylonian names. We don't know them by the real names. That, I mean, that's, that is their names, but we all know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, we, we, hear, we hear them in the fire and the angel, you know, saving them. But that's the, and so this guy, he changes their, their entire name. And so a lot, a lot of the times in our lives, like we feel whenever we're doing things, we're just going through our lives and we're trying to pursue the Lord and what we're in, you know, with, with our whole lives, the enemy comes and he kind of, he kind of, you know, throws a wrench in it all. And on top of that, you know, he changes these guys' names. It's, the enemy loves to do that. He loves to do that. Whenever he comes in and, you know, he gets things to just not be going the way that they're supposed to, the way you thought they were supposed to be going. And he tries to change your identity. He's like, you never really loved the Lord. You thought you heard from the Lord. You know, you, you thought you were supposed to be doing this stuff. Well, no, that's not you. This is your name now. You're, you know, you're, you were never, you were never really a real Christian. You know, you, you know, and he throws all these lies into our lives and we believe them. If we take those names for ourselves, that's who we're going to become. And that's what everybody's going to know us as. Literally, that's what we, like, whenever we hear the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we don't know their real names. If I asked you guys, you, no, most of y'all wouldn't be able to, to just tell me what their real names were because that's who they became. They didn't accept it over themselves, but that's what, you know, that's what we all know them as, and that's what the enemy likes to do. Um, and so, but the, the, thing, the fact of the matter is, Daniel purposed in his heart, in verse 8, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. It wasn't anything necessarily wrong about those delicacies. There wasn't any, anything necessarily wrong about that wine. In fact, later on in Daniel, it, sh- it, it, uh, it shows Daniel, he was drinking, he was, it says that he was drinking some wine. It wasn't the king's wine, because it, in, right there he says, that he didn't want to defile himself with that stuff. So what was it? Basically, God had told them, as, as children of Judah, that they weren't supposed to eat certain kinds of meat. It doesn't tell us what kind of meat it was. It doesn't tell us what kind of wine it was. But it just says that Daniel knew that he didn't want to defile himself. So a lot of times, like, we know that God told us something. We know that God told us to be doing something, you know, to chase after a certain dream, to chase after a certain goal, and we're, we're going at it, and here comes the enemy. You know, he, you know, he comes in and just kind of ruins everything, kind of, you know, uh, jumbles it all up. And on top of that, there's things that, you know, people present to us, and it's like, hey, you know, I know God said this, but hey, here's this. Here's this opportunity. But Daniel stuck to his guns, and he knew what God had told him to do. God told him, you know, he told the, the children of Judah that they couldn't partake of these certain things. So he stuck to his guns. He stuck to the word of the, of the Lord. He, he stuck to what he knew God told him to do. Um, and then, it, the, well, so they were taken against their wills. They had their names changed. They were given foods that were against Jewish dietary laws, which was God's word, you know. Uh, and now King Nebuchadnezzar was extremely powerful and scary. In verse 10, it says, And the chief of eunuchs said to Daniel, you know, I fear the Lord, my, I fear the Lord, the king, my Lord, the king, who has appointed 
your food and drink. He's like, hey, dude, I fear, I'm, I'm scared of this guy. He, he told me to give you this food. He told me to give you this drink. This is what I'm supposed to do. And he says, for why, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Basically, he wanted to give them these food, this food so he could, like, he could build them up to make them stronger and make them look better. And he's like, then you would endanger my head before the king. So we know that he was a scary guy. So these guys, Daniel had some guts, man. Like, he stood before the king, and he was like, no, like, I don't want to partake in your food. Like, it's, it's going to taint, you know, it's going, it's going to, to defile me. I don't want to do that. And he's, tell, he's telling the chief of eunuchs that's over them, and the, the chief of eunuchs is like, dude, like, you're going to get me in trouble if you don't eat this. Like, I'm, this, is, this guy is scary. Like, why are you going to, you know, I'm not going to do that for you. Um, and he says, uh, so Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, uh, he said, please test your servants for 10 days. Uh, let them give us vegetables and eat water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you. And, let, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies, as you see fit. Um, so he's like, here, give me veg, uh, veg, uh, vegetables and water, and you can give them the king's food. If they look better afterwards, then you can do with us whatever you want. But if we look better after not eating the king's food, you know, please honor that. You know, tell him to honor that. And he's like, okay. Basically, all in all, that's what happened. After the 10 days, after, you know, not eating whatever that meat was, whatever that drink was, they still looked better than those that were eating of the king's delicacies. Why? Because they stayed faithful to what God had told them to do. You know, and though, though things may seem scary, though things may seem like, you know, I, there's no possible way I can do this. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble. I might get killed if I don't listen, if I don't do certain things. You know, life can, like, totally turn a different direction if I don't do this but I know God told me to, to, to do this one certain thing. Just stay faithful to it. Stay faithful and know that God is faithful to honor his word. You know what I mean? And uh, so they, st- they stuck with what God desired for them. They stayed faithful even before absolute earthly powers. Through that, God stays faithful. They stayed faithful before absolute earthly powers. Nebuch- King Nebuchadnezzar was a very powerful guy. Um, so all that just kind of reminds me of like my, my testimony from CFNI. I had, you know, I went, uh, I did two years of CFNI, and then I had to take a whole year off, and because I didn't have the money, and I had just got a position through YFN, which is their summer camp at the school, um, to be like, a, it was just a really great position that I like, I'd been wanting to get since I was a teenager, and there was no way that they would have known that that's what I wanted to be ever since I was a teenager, but they like they gave me that position, and it was awesome, and I knew that that's what I was supposed to be doing, and I knew that God told me to come to CFNI and finish three years. To, to, to go through the whole uh, three-year uh, cycle. But here, here at the two-year mark, now my finances are done, and I didn't, I didn't have anything to go through, you know. And um, so I had to stay faithful. I had to be like, I had to take a whole year off and work and try to get different jobs and stuff like that. And those things were like, they just weren't going right. There was even like, even some of my friends were like, dude, we didn't think you were going to be able to go back. Like, at a certain point, we just didn't, though we were praying for you and we were hoping that you were going to be able to do, to do what God had told you to do, it doesn't seem like you're going to be able to do it. Like, we, you know, they almost lost faith in me. And it was, you know, and, but I'm just grateful that there were so many people there to help me out while I was there and, and in that season. But because of my faithfulness, and I just, I stayed faithful, I stayed faithful even in the little bit of finances that I had through different jobs and whatnot. And through that, all in all, and the, at, you know, at the end of the story, I did get to come back to CFNI. Um, I did get to pursue everything that the Lord told me to do, and it was great. And even though, even though that year was super hard, even though that whole year I was like, there's no way that I could go back. People were telling me, like, you know, hey, what are you going to do if you don't get to go back, you know? But I knew that the Lord had told me, you need to go back to that school. You need to go and finish the third year. I, I, I appointed you to come and, you know, finish worship, the worship school there. And, uh, and I stayed faithful in it. And though things were not looking the way they were supposed to, just the way Daniel and the three guys 
had that stuff not going the way they were supposed to. They stayed faithful. I stayed faithful, and the Lord was faithful. And uh, even though things just weren't seeming um, to go the right way. So this is just kind of like a personal testament uh, and a piece of encouragement to you guys that, you know, no matter what you're going through, if you, like, listen to the Father, get to know what, it is, what His heart is for your life, you know, find out what it is that He wants you to be doing and stick to that. No matter what happens, stay faithful in it. God's Word never changes. If He's told you to do one thing, then stick with it no matter what it looks like, you know. And if you need a starting place, get in the Word. See what He tells you to do in the Word, you know. And, and through that, you can work your way into knowing what exactly do you want for my life, Lord? What exactly do you have for me? And I'll stay faithful in that. Um, and so I'd been praying for the miracle, you know. I'd been praying like, Lord, I need to go back to CFNI. I need to finish the school. But the, th- the fact of the matter is there's one thing more important than the miracle. And that the, thing, the, thing, the, uh, the thing that I was praying for is, you know, the miracle to come back to CFNI to, to get the thousands of dollars that I needed. Um, there's one thing more important than the miracle, and that is your faithfulness in the midst of mystery. It was a very mysterious time, dude. It was so weird. Like, I was like, what, what's going on right now? I don't have the money. Like, the people that have been prophesying over me, Nate, you're going to go back, no worries. You know, the money's going to come through. You know, I just see the money coming through. You know, like, I was getting all these different prophetic words and whatnot, but it wasn't happening. I wasn't seeing a single dime coming in from, from you know, support or anything like that. And the little bit of money that I was making at the job, you know, it just wasn't enough. And, uh, but there's one thing more important than the miracle, and that's your faithfulness in the midst of mystery. Um, and one of the, like there was a, there was a word that kind of like stuck with me throughout that whole season, and that um, and that's my faithfulness does not depend on the miracle or the answered prayer happening. My faithfulness does not depend on that. My faithfulness depends on His faithfulness, the fact that He's faithful to me, and He told me this is what He told me to do. I'm going to try my best to do whatever it is that He told me to do, and I'm not going to waver. You know, so that my faithfulness uh, it doesn't depend on on the miracle happening. And I just want to like encourage you guys with that. The miracle happening is not what your faithfulness depends on. You, you know, whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you're praying for, your faithfulness doesn't depend on that. Yeah. It depends on Him. It depends on His faithfulness. You know, just the fact that He's a good God, and He's a good Father, and He's good to honor His Word. So um, that's kind of just my little portion there about His faithfulness and just you know, staying faithful um, even when things aren't going well. So anyways, this is Brooke for a different part. Well, whoa, whoa. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> didn't know it was so loud. Um, so for Nate, it was super, for him, his testimony with the Lord and the Lord's faithfulness is really about him staying faithful. But for me, it's a lot different. Um, when we started talking about Nate and I, about the faithfulness of the Lord and his different, the different aspects of that, um, one of the verses that came to me was Psalm 117 two, and it says, for great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And the part, the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. For me, when I think about the Lord's faithfulness, I think about that he is constant. And when I think about the Lord's character, anything about the Lord's character, it is infinite, right? So in his faithfulness, he has always been faithful. He will always be faithful. And so one of the first points that I thought of is that his faithfulness is never changing. It. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he's the same with Daniel, and he was faithful with Daniel, and he's faithful with Nathan's testimony, he's going to be faithful forever. He's never going to change, and he's going to be infinitely faithful. Um, and if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. So when the Lord promises you something, even if you don't see it, he's still faithful to fulfill it because he's God, and that's who he is, and that's his character. 
Um, and then the second thing that I thought of when it came to his faithfulness is, and this one's really a big part of my testimony, is that he's faithful even when I don't see it. Um, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And that hits me so hard because there's so many times in my walk with the Lord that I've lost faith. I've prayed and I've interceded and I haven't seen it come to pass. And two areas for me is healing and salvation. Not in my own life. Obviously, I'm saved. I'm up here talking to you guys. But um, it's people that I love dearly, people that I care about. And I've wanted them to be saved for five years. I want them to know the Jesus that I know. I want them to know the freedom that I know. And I haven't seen it come to pass. I've prayed. I've interceded. I've fasted. I've quit fasting. I've fasted again. I've interceded again. I've cried out. I've bawled my eyes out all night long. And I still see nothing, no change seen it get worse, but I had to really just remember that the Lord's faithful, and he is our Savior, and he is who he says that he is, and the other one for me is healing. Uh, a lot of you probably don't know this, probably only people really close to me know this, but I have a really bad back, and it's always hurting, 100% of the time, and um, it's kept me from doing a lot of things that I love because it's so painful, and I've had Anytime they ask for healing, I have people pray over me, lay hands on me. Um, I've had people prophesy over me, anoint me with oil. Think of something in the Bible, and they probably have done it to me, except for not like when, you know, they laid on top of Elijah and he laid on top of the guy. They didn't do that. But all the rest, maybe that's what we should do. I don't know. But all the rest of them, they've done, and I have not seen my healing. But I had to come to a place where I just realized, you know, it's okay because the Lord is faithful, and he it says in the word time and time again that he's my healer, and he is. And one of the moments that I really had to face that was I was, um, it was my second year at CFNI, and I was working a kids camp called KFN. And um, I know it's an amazing camp. And it was the preteen impact. So um, my 10 to 12-year-olds were up at the front. And one of my little girls who I was counseling, she's the sweetest little girl, and she was up at the front, um, and she was kneeling on her knees, and so I went over to her, and I was like, did you see your healing tonight? And she looked up at me, and she had tears streaming down her face because she had terrible, like, eczema, and it would bleed, and it would crack, and it was always hurting. And, I'm, I mean, during the summer, she's with me. She can't do anything to cover it from the sun. She was in so much pain. She would cry almost every day. And she looked up at me. Tears were streaming down her face, and she was just so full of joy. She said, no, but I will. And it was just that childlike faith that she had. It pierced my heart. I'd been so bitter with the Lord and just like, Lord, you haven't been faithful in this. Why, why do I pray for this person and I see their healing, but I speak it over myself and I see nothing. And I really felt the Lord was just like, she has childlike faith. And I had to really pick up my bitterness and pity and just start believing what the Lord's spoken to me. And he, if he says that he's my healer, well then he's my healer and it's taken care of. It doesn't, it doesn't negate. If I don't see it in the, in my flesh, it does not negate what he did on the cross. He died for me to be healed. He died for us to be saved. He died for us to know him, whether I know people who have walked in that or not, that doesn't change the fact that he did it. Um, and a lot of times, especially when it comes to my lack in faith sometimes, um, the Lord always brings me back to Abraham. 
I love Abraham. He's awesome. He's the father of faith, obviously. So um, Romans 4, 19, 21 says, he considered his own body to be already dead since he was about 100 years old. What did I do wrong? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and also considered the deadness of Sarah's womb without weakening in faith. He did not wa- waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Wow. Abraham. He, the Lord promised him like 20 years before that Sarah was going to bear a child, and they were dead then. Their wombs, dead. <laughs> Nothing. But he still had faith. And it says a lot of times, I, at least in my own life, I'll go to a prayer, I'll go to a healing service. If I don't see my healing right there, I'm done. I'm like, okay, Lord, well, I don't know about you. But, but Abraham, for 20 years, it says that he did not waver in his faith, but he str- it was strengthened. He actually started believing more in the Lord in not seeing his, his uh, promise come to pass. We need to be a people who are like that. When we don't see, we're such a generation of, we want it done, bing, bang, boom, microwave, fast food. But Abraham for 20 years was faithful to the Lord. We have to be a people who are faithful to the Lord. Um, And then the last thing that I thought of when it comes to the Lord's faithfulness is um, he is faithful even when his children haven't been. And I see this a lot in the church right now that that when we see other brothers and sisters not look like Jesus, we lose faith in the Lord. But even Romans 3, 3 through 4 says, what if some were unfaithful? Does their unfaithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. So if we see other people in our life who are unfaithful, who are called to look like Jesus but aren't, that does not nullify the faithfulness of the Lord. I've had to deal with this a lot in my own life, um, and it's usually people who are closest to you. I was always terrified to be in a relationship, even with God, because I'd never known someone to be faithful 100% of the time. Um, for me, it was with my dad. I, when I was, I was daddy's little girl. Who else was daddy's little girl? That's like the best man. Okay, so I was daddy's little girl, or boy, I guess, if you're a boy. <laughs> I don't think that really happens. I don't know. Um, cause Nathan's a mama's boy over here. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, so for me, when I was 10, my dad got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And so I had known my dad growing up all my life. I was his little angel. I was, could have done nothing wrong. I was perfect. Not really. I mean, sometimes not, but uh, most of the time I was. And so whenever he, um, got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I was there through it all. I saw him in his manic. I saw him in his depressed. I saw him when he loved me. I saw him when he hated me. I saw him when he wanted to hurt me. I saw it all. And so that affected me so much going through life. And then when I came to know the Lord, I was so able to receive the love of the father, but I was not easily able to receive that he was constant and he was true and that he was always going to be there for me and his love wouldn't waver or his faithfulness wouldn't waver when he said like Brooke you're gonna you're called to lead worship that he wasn't going to change his mind or Brooke you're called to go to the lost he wasn't going to change his mind or Brooke I love you 
something so simple as that, he wasn't going to change his mind. For me, when I came to know Jesus and learning about his faithfulness, it was hard when I would go to the secret place. Um, I, I remember I would go in so timidly, like, okay, Lord, just give it to me quick what I do wrong today. Why are you mad at me today? But in reality, that's not who he is. And so many times we see Jesus and we don't see him for who he truly is because we're looking at him through eyes of the way that other people have treated us. And that is not how Jesus has called us to see him. And actually, by doing that, we are, um, well, it's just not fair to the Lord when we do that because he died for us to not have that view. He is perfect in all of his ways. And so when we see him through the eyes of what man has done to us, that's actually low, way lowering our, his, who he is. And his character is never going to change. So when he's faithful, he's faithful. And he's true. And if he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. We have to stop seeing God through our experiences with others. We have to. Yeah. Yeah, I told this to Nate yesterday. I was, whenever I was um, praying, it was when I was at CFNI. And I love, I've always, since the moment I got saved, I've loved Jesus with all my heart. But I was in the secret place and I was like in fear. And the Lord told me, um, I felt like the Lord told me, Brooke, I'm not a bipolar God. And I had no, I, I had no idea that I'd seen him the way that I saw my father, but I had, and God is not bipolar. He's not changing. He is constant always, always. And when he says he loves us, you guys, he loves you with all of his heart. When he says that you're perfect and you're pure, just because you slip up once does not mean that you're not that anymore. He paid way too high a price for you to not see him for who he is. Um, thank you. Um, and Nate and I both have like kind of sucky dad stories, but <laughs> we do, I mean, real, realistically, but just because we don't have great da father stories doesn't mean that we don't have amazing God, the father stories. Like God has been so good to us and we've been able to see parts of God that we never saw in a father. And we've been able to receive it because we never saw it in a dad. And so I just want to encourage you guys, if that's you, if you've had relationships where people have been unfaithful for you, to you, have hurt you, and it's hindered the way that you view God, we just want to break it off right now because that's not the way that you're supposed to see the Father. I want you guys to be able to walk in um, and see Jesus for who he truly is. There's a song that uh, Sarah and John Mark McMillan sing, and the bridge says, um, help me out, baby, what's it say? Something about seeing for who he truly is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why did I even reference this, guys? I thought I had it. I thought I had it. <laughs> um, but I just want you guys to see. Yeah, it says who he really is. <laughs> Let him be known for who he is, who he truly is. And that, when I sing that, I'm just like, oh, that's my heart's cry. I want you guys to know Jesus. I want to know him for who he truly is, not for how I've seen him through others. And so... Um, Nate and I just want to pray for you guys because this is something that the Lord has really freed us of. And we want to be able to give that to you. God wants you to have that. God wants you to see him for who he is, not see him through the way that other people have treated you or through your unbelief. Because there's a verse that says, 
Lord, I believe, but help me for, help my unbelief. And that is like my life verse. Like I believe Jesus just a little, just as much as a mustard seed. Help me more because I need more. I want more. And in order to see these things, I need more. So I think Nate's going to take yeah, it away. Yeah, just, and that, exactly. It's just, you know, as a reminder, like the, I know that I had, I had those times in my life. Obviously I'm talking about it right now. She had those times in her life. We all have times in our life when it's hard to kind of trust what the Lord has already kind of t- put in our hearts. You know, it's kind of hard to, to, to trust it when you're not seeing it, you know? And so I know that we all have little moments like that, whether they've, we've already dealt with them or we haven't dealt with them yet. So we just want to use this time to, to pray over people, uh, to pray over you guys. If you have, if you, if you, if there's someone in your life that you want to, you know, that, that you want to come to the Lord or you want to, you know, you want for them to encounter the Lord and, and, you just haven't seen it, you know, you haven't seen it and you just kind of, you're like, Lord, come on, if, if you want, if you're, if you're in, this, in that spot in your life where you need a little bit more faith to trust what God has done, but it's just like, ugh, I'm having a hard time because I'm not seeing it, I'm not seeing the finances the way I need it, I'm not seeing the healing the way I need it, you know, and it's like, we need an increase of faith, um, he's always faithful to do it, is what we're trying to say, like, it's not, we need, it's not, we're not going to ask, you know, Lord, who wants to see God heal you right now, like, yes, that's great, but he's always going to be faithful to do it no matter what so right now it's it's right now what we're going to pray for is who needs an increase of faith who needs an increase of of, of just trust and belief in the father who needs an increase of uh, you know just yeah just knowing that he is who he is um, so like if you have any of that I just want all of us to stand up um, for us to just close our, you know, close our eyes lift our hands if it's you you know you can raise your hand or whatever we're going to just go around and pray for you just lay hands on you Thank you.